Welcome to the Rooted Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Wild, and I'm an author and mother. Here we have conversations on sovereign and instinctual womanhood and motherhood, cultivating thriving wellness, and much more. Listen to powerful birth and healing stories and topics on the wild woman experience. You can check out all I offer, including herbal elixirs for wild mothers and women, my book on pelvic healing, and all the show notes for these episodes at bethanywild.com. Now for the show. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Rooted Woman podcast. This week, I'm coming to you with another woman's heartfelt story, and I'm going to get into just a little bit about that. But first, I want to just tune in and talk to you about what's going on over here. So the seasons are changing, and I feel like the recent eclipse in October was a lot for me and for many women I know that just so many things came up during those two weeks and I really feel like everything is settling at least for me right now and I'm just getting into the winter mode with my daughter teaching her how to make autumn altars and moving into winter altars I'm teaching her her first um sewing lesson, doing stitching, which is so fulfilling and just, you know, what I dreamed it would be like to have a child, a daughter, and to pass on these skills. I've been baking with her. Um, She has taken part in the preparation of my herbal elixir. So I sold out of the first batch that I had made and I started another one and I asked around and wanted to see who was interested in um, speaking for any bottles that they wanted since it, I had been doing it in really small batches and um, pretty much like a day after I started that batch to start brewing, um, yeah, it was already sold out. So about a week later, I just started another batch. So um, both of those are going to be ready in about two weeks to ship. This is my herbal prenatal postnatal elixir. Really supportive to all women, but especially um to those women who are in their preconception time through pregnancy and the postpartum time and nursing and just replenishing as a woman. And it has so many great herbs in there that have always been allies to women along the motherhood continuum. And I've put so much prayers and intentions and blessings into it. So I think it'll be really felt by those who, who take it. Um, so I'm just saying, sharing that here because there's a limited number of bottles left until I start a new batch. Um, and yeah, it'll be ready to ship in about two weeks. So the end of November. 
All right, so um, before I get into Alyssa's story, two weeks ago I had Nicole on, a mama of four boys and another mystery babe on the way, and that episode has just sparked so much conversation with friends of mine and so much good feedback from women and everyone loves her. Um, it's a great episode. It really speaks to you, whether you have sons or daughters, or you want to be a mom one day, it's a really good episode. So if you haven't listened to that, please check it out. I believe her workshop where she goes into a little bit more depth into raising sons, Um, I hope it's still available. I think it's already happened, but I believe the recording may be available. So definitely check in with her. Uh, You can probably reach out to her on Instagram and she'll be able to answer you. But anyway, yeah, that episode got so much interest and I shared in the intro last time why I think that is for the women who would listen to this podcast. Um... Okay, so this week I have Alyssa coming on to share her stories of becoming a single mom and the beautiful way that she reflects on it and how she takes radical responsibility and brings consciousness into the just everything she's been through and how she reflects on it. Since the beginning of this podcast, my intention was to have it be a place for women's stories, especially mother's stories, but of, you know, um, conscious, sovereign, healing, birthing, living. And I've wanted to share the stories too of women who have chosen a different path, have left their partners, have honored what their body and their hearts were speaking to them about their relationships and I think it it really speaks so much to how we are changed as women when we become mothers no relationship goes unaccounted for in a way especially when especially when you have a sovereign birth experience But also if you have what you would consider a traumatic birth and then you're on the path of healing and awakening your consciousness and reflection about what actually happened, um, our relationships are going to come into review because we become different people after that. So I really honor those moms. I, when I was growing up, my mom was a single mom for a number of years and I witnessed all of the challenges that go along with that and so I really feel in my heart how important it is to support the single moms in our lives because I can't even imagine um you know like we think we're doing so many of us who 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 stay at home full-time with our children we think how alone we are um but it's a whole nother level when you don't have a partner to rely on at the end of a work day or to tune, uh, just to like talk about your experiences with, to take a break. It's a lot. 
So I hope by sharing this story, it'll resonate with other women and it'll have them just reflect on on the women in their lives and how they can support them a little bit more. So I'll share the episode description and then we'll get into the story. So Alyssa shares her intimate story about becoming a single mom of her young son. I resonate with her relatable story and how she has gone through this process with so much intention for consciousness in regards to her personal healing and relationship. This is also a beautiful story of the many ways that our children, spirit babies, souls guide us in our lives. She shares about meeting her partner, having her son, the process of separating, and her reflections a year later. She shares about how a trauma history can cause conflict and relationship, how a traumatic birth can cause fracture in the intimate relationship, and the freeing role of taking full responsibility in our lives. So you'll see all the links in the show notes of how to reach out to her and find out more about her work in basically birth story medicine. Um, I talked a little bit about in the about this in the episode, the importance of sharing your story and unpacking your birth with someone who gets the system. Um, how they're are just a lot of problematic things about sharing a traumatic birth story and trying to heal from that with just a regular therapist. And we really want to find women who who understand the issues with the system so we can take full responsibility for what happened to to see things in a very clear way to see the issues with the system to see what we should take responsibility for and what we should not and how to make different choices next time so all that's to say if you are working through your own birth story and you need someone to listen and guide you through your healing path with that. I think Alyssa is such a wonderful woman for that. So again, you'll find her website, um, social media links, and all of that in the show notes. Oh, one other thing before I get into this, um, this episode, speaking of eclipses, we actually recorded this when the eclipse was coming through where I live in New Mexico and it was a partial eclipse. So it was a little bit, it was quite different in that, you know, the sky doesn't go completely dark, but we were, I think at least like 90% partial eclipse. So during the episode, the eclipse comes through, everything changes, um, there was just that eeriness in the air and things got a little bit darker and I paused our conversation for for a minute for me to look out the window because I was really excited about seeing it Um, but then I realized that I I can't just stare directly at the sun um, with a partial eclipse. I've seen a full total solar eclipse and it was just one of the most epic experiences of my life. Um, 
but this was very different, but it, it was a palpable difference in the air and it kind of made the conversation so special because of that energy. So I debated whether to leave those moments in or not. And then I just finally decided to just cut it out because I don't know, I just did. But I wanted to share that that was another special element to this story that was so cool to just just infuse the energy of our conversation with um, the energy of all these shifting waters that really relate so much to Alyssa's tales. So anyway, just wanted to share that. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for supporting this podcast by listening, by leaving a review, by sharing it with your friends. It really means so much to me to receive any reviews and just hear the feedback about the different episodes that I have up. I love receiving it and it's never, well, it's always welcome. All right, so now let's get into Alyssa's stories. Wild sisters of the earth weave together now. Wild sisters singing over the bones. Wild sisters of the earth weave together now. Wild sisters singing over the bones. Okay. Uh, Let's see, where do I want to start? I think with where I was when my ex and I met. So I was 28. Um, I had been like dating and I just was kind of over it. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. And that's how people always say it happens, right? That like, when you say you're done and you just give up the like trying part, then that's when like this person comes into your life. Um, but that's honestly where I was. I was just like, okay, I'm done. And I, yeah, we met at a salsa club. It was all very in the beginning, exciting and new. Um, but now looking back, I was very much in a place in my life where I was still just, I call it like zombie mode <laughs> where I was like, not really consciously participating in my life. I was kind of just ticking the boxes of what society says you should, you know, have a career and you should find a husband and then you get married and then you have a kid. And so I was like, okay, I checked off the career box and now, you know, I'm going to find a husband. And my, that's interesting because I was listening to an episode that you just did um, recently. And she was talking about um, really wanting to be a mother and like the, the wife part was kind of like secondary to that. And I really resonated with that because I feel like that was kind of me, except I was very focused on the fact that I wanted to be a wife first. So, but I wasn't so focused on like, what does that need to look like? And like actually preparing myself for that. Um, and I had a lot of 
trauma in my life that had happened that I was not addressing, right? I wasn't really in a place yet where I was ready to actually work through any of that stuff. So, so anyway, we met and within six months we moved in together. It was kind of one of those things where my college roommates, we were all looking for new places to live. He was living with his mother at the time. And that was not a like good situation for him. So we were both about to like find new places to live. And we we're like, well, why not? We might as well just like move in together. Then a year after that, we got married. So that was in 2016. And then 2017, we bought a house. So again, checking society's boxes. I'm like, okay, married, check, bought a house, check, you know, and then the next year in 2018 is when my son was born. So now, of course, looking back, it's like, whoa, these were huge life transitions that I was going through, going from being, you know, a single woman to being a, a wife to being a homeowner, to being a mother. And they all happened like back to back. And I was not in a place where I was actually integrating any of these huge shifts. So naturally, as you know, when you have a child, then it's like, well, at least my experience of it was that once this being came through my body, I could no longer ignore or just shove things down. It was like, it was all here. It was all in my face. And I had to suddenly like address it all, you know, in addition to the overwhelming reality of like brand new motherhood, right? Where you just have this little being who's reliant on you 24 seven. So that I think was the, the big catalyst that really kind of started started me down this path of like, this was not going to be the person that I was going to be with forever because I was so changed by my experience of becoming a mother of finally getting this thing that I wanted for my whole life. And then it wasn't what I had envisioned, right? Like I even, we had this argument in the car after my son was born, I forget where we were going or what, like somebody was watching my son and we were supposed to go out and like have a good time. And it turned into this huge argument, which was really just me having like a breakdown in the car loudly in front of him about like, this is not how this was supposed to go. Like, this is not how it was supposed to feel. This is not what I envisioned. Like, this is basically what I was saying in that moment was like, this is not what everybody said it was going to be <laughs> like the reality of what motherhood has been, had been at that point for me, was just not what I wanted, you know? And I think that started with the birth, of course. So I, before I had even gotten pregnant, one of his friends actually randomly at a get together told us about her free birth story. She was like, yeah, she was like, I, that was my first encounter with free birth. Of course she didn't call it that, but she just said that she just had her baby at home and she just like spontaneously told us her a beautiful birth story and how, like, I always remember what she said where she was like, yeah, he was like three days old. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I should like let people know that he was born. Meaning like 
take him to the hospital and get a birth certificate started or whatever, like officially, like whatever, let people know he was born. Um, but yeah, I was instantly, of course, there was this remembering in my being that I was like, yes, this is how this is supposed to happen, right? This is how birth should be. And so then I kind of in my in myself, when I heard that story, it was like, that's what I'm gonna do. But I didn't have that discussion with him at that time. So then when I was pregnant, then it was like, I that's what I want to do. Like I want to give birth at home. And his response was basically like, F no, very enthusiastically, like that's not gonna happen. And I was just like, oh, okay. And at the time, you know, I was of the belief that, well, and I feel like a lot of women are in this place. Well, it's his baby too. So he should have a say, even though, again, at that time I didn't understand, you know, this is my body. (laughs) Like I need to be feeling safe and feeling comfortable with my choices about how this whole thing is going to go. And so anyway, the compromise that we came to, which I I put that in air quotes, the word compromise, because I don't really believe in compromise in relationship anymore. Um, and so anyway, was that I was going to birth at a birth center because I was like, basically, I'm not giving birth in a hospital. And he was like, well, you're not giving birth at home. And so then my fr- a friend of mine you know, told me about a birth center. I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is the perfect compromise. (laughs) It's a home-like environment, you know? Um, But then of course, yeah, basically what happened was I ended up in the hospital, the one place I didn't want to be. And again, there was like all of this specifically sexual trauma that I had not worked through. And so as we were on our way to the hospital, I basically just disassociated completely from everything that was happening it was like this is this isn't happening this isn't possibly this is not how this is supposed to go and yeah and then you know we got into the hospital and for the most part I was like a a good a good girl I did what I was told and um yeah and then of course his birth was largely traumatic for me for my husband at the time um I had a doula and she didn't really, you know, of course, you know, she wasn't really able to like do anything to stop the cascade of interventions. Um, and yeah, like when we talked about the birth, I remember one time after afterwards, we tried to like basically debrief the birth between him and I, and it ended explosively. Like we, we got in a huge fight and I think there was still a lot of hurt on both of our parts and we were still in a place of like blame, right? Like I'm going to blame someone. And I think for me at that time, I was largely blaming him because he didn't let me have my home birth. Um, And he was blaming me because he had wanted to have a lot of discussions about like what ifs while I was pregnant and I was not open to that at all. I was very much in this like place of, well, I'm going to just focus on what I want and that's going to make sure that that's what happens, which is good and fine, except I wasn't actually educating myself 
on like <laughs> truly what what birth was in the way that I wanted it. And so anyway, um, yeah, that was kind of, I think the, the beginning of the, the fracture between him and I was because I couldn't help but be changed by this experience. And he was definitely changed by it as well, but not in the same way, you know? Um, and I, I went to talk therapy. Like I had what I would call postpartum anxiety, which was really just like the anxiety of all, like I said, all of these things that I had experienced in my life that were now in my face that I was not capable of shoving down and ignoring anymore. And like, what do I do with it all? Plus having a baby. Um, so I went to talk therapy for like a year and four months. And that basically helped a little bit because I had somebody outside of my relationship to talk to. Um, but then I kind of just hit a plateau. And shortly thereafter, I found um, a woman online. I did a birth trauma debrief. And that was another huge catalyst for change for me because then I was like, oh, okay, like, I realized and I recognized where I had participated in creating the birth scenario that I didn't want, which was me being in the hospital. I learned a lot more about birth. I got really into like, I was like, I want to quit nursing because I was a nurse at the time. It's like, I want to quit nursing. I want to be a birth keeper. Like I just made all of these very big changes. And again, at that time, who I was, was I was doing all of this, but like in a very messy, <laughs> immature way, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I take full responsibility for like, not being a very good partner to him in that time. Like we talked about it even that at that time, when I like, had this shift about birth, I became very angry. You know, I had a lot of rage that came up about birth, about the world. And then of course that's like connected to like where we hold our children, right? Is in our wombs, in our yonis. And so that inevitably brought up a lot of anger at men in general, because I had had all of this history of sexual trauma at the hands of men. And so that all came out directed at him and it was, yeah, it was horrible. And I apologized to him a lot, you know, after that, for that, but inevitably what ended up happening was there was just, I was committed to healing and repairing. And I think he had already had a very traumatic childhood. And so like the chaos and the like fighting was what felt normal and safe for him. So once I got past that point, once I started doing a lot more work on myself and I started to really heal and I got, I found healthy ways to actually express all of that rage that was coming up. And I recognized that it was not fair to like, direct that at him you know like I repaired with him about that 
and I continue to, to, to work on myself and work on my healing, I think that he was just not ready to like do that for himself, you know? And, and at the time he said that he was right. There was a lot of like talking that we did and in, for the most part, I felt like, okay, he, he's going to, to do this work. You know, he's, he's committed. He's going to do what it takes. Um, and the big conversation that we had, cause basically in fall of 21, I was pretty much done. But at that time I was done from a place of anger. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I felt very unsupported in my mothering and I just felt overwhelmed with it all. And I was just like, you know what? Like I I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this. And at that time, you know, he had, I, I left. (laughs) So I left to go to a, a women's retreat in North Carolina for five days. And while I was gone, he had to take care of our son for two days by himself. So he, we were living with my parents at the time. Well, my mom and my stepdad and, but they were going to be out of town for the weekend. So they were here for like the beginning part of when I left, but then there was like two full days in between when he had to take care of our son by himself. And that was the first time since my son was born that he had to do that. My son was on the verge of being three at this point. And it was really hard. And that was like a big like wake up call for him that it was like, Oh wow. Like this is what Alyssa has been talking about. This is what she's been doing. He kind of recognized how he had not been supporting me. And so when I came back, I was very much in the mind of like, that's it. I'm done. You know, come back and like figure out how us separating was going to go. But then I came back to this man who was changed because of the experience of taking care of our son by himself. And, um, and so, yeah, he made a lot of really heartfelt commit commitments to me promises about, you know, how things were going to change. Um, and so I agreed to stay. I was like, okay, you saw, you know, I could tell that something had shifted in him and I was, of course, you know, it's like, this is the, the father of my child like I my this is my husband like I don't want to get a divorce if I don't have to um and I was honestly very hopeful at that point that it would be better I was like okay great like that was obviously not the most mature way for me to go about that basically just being like I'm leaving figure it out because that's kind of what I did um but then it was like oh it kind of worked out for me you know like this is apparently what needed to happen. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was like another, a big point of like, okay, things are going to get better. We're, we're both committed to this. We're working on it. Um, and then from then until February of this year, which was when we was, when I decided that I was done, um, it did get better in some ways. Um, but again, I think the piece that was missing was the like true commitment on his part to, to work on himself. And that's not something that I hold any ill will towards him for. Cause I just recognize that like, 
he just isn't ready to do that work, you know? And like, I don't know, I haven't experienced the life experiences that he has. And so who am I to tell him that he should be right? Like, I don't see it that way. And I did everything that I could to support him and to love him and to create an environment that I felt would be conducive to that healing for him. Um, but yeah, it just, it just kind of reached a point where I realized like, okay, he's not actually, or at least like where we were at in our healing journeys was that like, because I was so committed to my work, things were shifting quickly for me. And I kind of felt like I was leaving him behind, you know, like we weren't on the same page. It didn't feel like we were on the same path. And how this looked in our home was everything was good, you know? Cause like I said, like I was doing a lot of work on myself. So it's not, we weren't fighting it wasn't from a place of any of that kind of situation. Um, but we also, I felt we're just like roommates, you know? And so I came to this realization that like, okay, I have the choice. Am I going to stay and just wait inevitably for this person to just be in a place where they're ready to, to work on themselves or am I going to leave? And a large part of that decision also had to do with my desire to be a mother to more children. This was always a desire of mine was like, I want to have, I come from a huge family. <laughs> I want to have at least like, well, when we first met, I was a little ridiculous. I was like, I want a whole football team. And then <laughs> the reality of what that would be like was like okay maybe not I don't want that many kids like I want at least three you know that's kind of like the average of all of my aunts it's like a lot of my aunts have three kids um so I was like yeah three is good and you know I turned 36 last year so at the time of me making this decision for for us to split I was like, I'm 36. And while I don't buy into the idea of like geriatric pregnancy, right? At the same time, I don't want to be having my kids like in my 40s pushing 50s because I want to have more time with them, basically, you know? Um, and so, yeah. Um, our, where our relationship was intimately was not where I wanted it to be. And we were working on it, but it was just, I didn't feel that we were getting anywhere basically. And, um, and then, yeah, I was, I had started doing this book called, uh, the artist's way. And I was doing it as like a book club with a group of women at the beginning of the year, we started in January. And part of that is like a daily journaling practice where first thing when you wake up, you do three pages of journaling, just whatever comes to your mind to just kind of like clear the clutter in your mind is the idea, right? And through that journaling practice, I mean, there was women in our group that were like 
talking about things coming up for them in their relationship and how it was like really helpful. And they had conversations with their partner and like, now everything was like good. And it was kind of the opposite for me where through this journaling practice, I was realizing all of the, the like places where there was opportunity for connection and that connection just wasn't happening. And one of those was this recognition that I had that we had no shared interests. So we were both very supportive of the other person's interests, right? I love to go hiking. He hated hiking. Like I took him on a hike when we were first dating and he loved to tell people that story because he said I was literally trying to kill him because we went to Santa Barbara. It's like really hilly. And I'm a very like, yeah, we'll figure it out. You know, like I want to take the, the path less, less, um, what is that saying? I want to go where there's less people. Yeah. <laughs> less travel. There you go. Um, and he's like, no, like he doesn't like hiking. So he's like, I want to be where the people are like short hike, whatever. Anyway, point being is that like, I love hiking. He hated it. He is super into video games. I am not a gamer. Never have been. I've tried. <laughs> and I genuinely did try because that was such a like joy of his that I was like, I'm going to, oh God, I'm terrible at it. Um, and so, yeah, we were both really supportive of each other's interests, but we weren't doing anything together, right? So that was why there was this large feeling of the roommate feeling for me, where it was like, yeah, we live together and we help take care of this child together, but that's about it. Like, and we were great friends, you know, like he really was a good, you know, like my friend. And I think that was the hardest part that I like, that was what snuck up on me was like the grief of losing this friend in this process of, you know, deciding to leave. Um, because I've always very much been the person that like looks for the silver lining or is always confident that things are going to just work out in my favor, you know? And I still believe that they did, but in this instance, I was very much assuming that, or not assuming, I wanted very much for us to be friends and co-parents our son, like in an adult mature way. And what I did not anticipate was that, of which of course now, right, it seems silly because I've just explained that part of the reason why I ended up making this decision was because he wasn't ready to like work on himself. So then it makes sense, 20, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like it makes sense looking back now that like, yeah, me telling him that I don't want to be married to him anymore is not going to call him up to be this like mature uh, co-parent with me he's going to be hurt right like this is not what he wanted he did not want for us to split up um and I don't and I think in his mind he had made up that like I was it for him forever there was no other possibility that existed and even though we had talked about divorce a lot over the last couple of years I think in his mind, he had never actually considered that it might be a reality. And for me, when we had talked about divorce, we had talked about things 
that like, okay, if that did happen, this is what we would do, or this is what, how we would want this to go specifically concerning our son. And so then for me, it was kind of like a shock to realize that all of the things that he said <laughs> were not going to happen. You know, all of these things that we talked about, this is what we would do if this happened. It's like, well, it's easy to say that when it's not actually happening. But when the reality of me saying like, yeah, I actually do want to get a divorce, you know, like how he responded to that was not, okay, here's all the things we agreed that we were going to do. It was like, you know, he was heartbroken. He was, his world was shattered and he was, because in his mind, right? Like I said, we were great friends. We weren't fighting. Everything was peaceful and, and like fine in our house. And for him growing up with not a lot of intimacy or connection with his parents and his family, it makes sense that for him, that felt like everything was great. Whereas for me, who grew up with like a very touchy feely family and very like almost to the point of being an issue with consent, you know, like that was not enough for me. You know, I, I did not feel like I was being supported and like, you know, we had, we had both, um, read that book, the five love languages, you know, and my love language was, is physical touch. And for him, physical touch was actually like, like when I would caress his arm, he would flinch and pull back from me because of a traumatic experience that he had in his childhood. So it was something that we really struggled with of trying to bridge that that gap because it's like my main love language is something that is literally traumatic for him, right? And so now who I am today can look back on that and be like, well, that was not, not the best choice of life partner, right? Like these are things that we should have been figuring out before we bought a house together and before we had a child and all of that. But again, at that time, I was just not doing things from a conscious place. I was like, oh, okay, you know, like this guy is down to get married. He wants to have kids someday. Cool, works for me. <laughs> you know, like my, my uh, what I was looking for was basically just that at that time. There's, there's so many things I wanna ask, but maybe I'll just, yeah, I, I do wanna know, just, just, I'm just curious. Um, yeah. So do you think it was just at the, at the beginning, it wasn't necessarily like, I don't even want to wear this. Um, yeah. Do you, do you think it was your son that really, um, brought you two together? Because I kind of see that in some friends who like, or it, it seems that way to me when people get together and then they just, everything happens so quickly. And then you know, then they break up pretty soon after it was like, they were just meant to be together for that child to come through. Yeah. And, or, or did you really feel in the beginning, like 
did you feel that strong connection with him? And then you just changed and shifted after motherhood. No, I definitely think, I definitely think that it was our son that brought us together for sure. Cause I, I yeah. see that as well, where it was like, like you said, everything went so fast and I was just so determined to become a mother and like becoming a mother specifically to this child changed me in such a way that like I thank him all the time for that you know like I tell my son all the time that I'm so grateful that he came and really ushered me into becoming the woman that I am today right and like put me on this path to healing to to becoming a woman that I'm proud of even though it's like so hard (laughs) it's so hard to be though like person in your life you know in your family or whatever especially if you come from a big family like mine where there's just so many people to be the one that's like doing it way different and everyone's just like um but yeah I do I do think that it was my son that brought us together and I still feel that it was for both of us right like I always will for all three of you yeah like for all three of us. Exactly. I will always want the best for my ex-husband. Um, he's the, my father's, you know, my father, my son's father. (laughs) So of course I will always want the best for him because inevitably like how he does in life will have an effect on our son, you know? So it's like, as a mother, how could I ever hold ill will towards this person who is still such a huge influence in my son's life like I want the best for my son that means of course I want the best for my you know for his father and like I said this didn't this wasn't a decision that came from a place of like oh he's bad and this and I just you know I don't like him and I want to get out of here it was it was truly from a place of like okay I have this decision to stay in this situation where basically I feel like I'm going to be stuck, you know, like where I feel like this is not going to get me the things that I'm really wanting. I'm not going to be able to like heal my sexual trauma in a way, in the way that I want to on the timeline that I want to, you know, it's like, yes, it's still possible, but it feels, it felt so hard and it felt so far away and I mean yeah to have your partner recoil at your touch like that is um yeah that is traumatizing yeah you want to heal from sexual trauma and just be seen as you know a beautiful woman it's like of course and that's your love language it's just Yeah, I think it's really brave at 36, a woman who wants to have more children to to make that split, um, knowing that there is something else for you, but it's like a great unknown too. Yeah. So I think it really speaks to your strength and all that you've built over the last few years to be able to choose that. Cause a lot of women don't, and they just, they stay with the same partner, uh, because they want more children and yeah, there's no, there's not necessarily like a wrong decision, but, um, 
yeah, you're, you're going in a different path now, which is beautiful for you. That was also the thing that made this decision very tricky because my son is going to be five in like less than two weeks. And so at the end of last year in December, like we were really working towards healing that. And I really wanted like I, who, where I was at that time in December was like, I really want another child. Like I was like, it's going to be with this man. Right. I had not decided this or had this realization yet that it shouldn't be with him, which is also another like, uh, spirit baby conversation because I was doing spirit baby work at that time. And so I thought I was pregnant because my period was like a few days late. And then it came like right on Christmas day or something. And we were traveling down to his family's in Texas. So it was just like a very emotional time for me where I was like, Oh, like the, the, like, I'm not pregnant. You know, I was super sad about it and it was all this stuff. And then I had also already started to have the conversation with my son about him becoming a brother, right? about do you want a sibling I know right (laughs) (laughs) I'm like oh no this is really not the way that I would have oh well what did he say because sometimes kids have interesting insight into their neck you know their siblings yeah so he was very down for having a sibling and we um we were actually living in Oklahoma at this time. And there was um, a woman who we were babysitting for one day a week. And her daughter was like, I think seven or eight months when we started babysitting. Um, And so, I mean, we, as in like, I'm taking care of this little girl and my son at the same time. And so, um, yeah, he loved her. Oh my God. He was just like obsessed. And I think that kind of started this obsession with like okay like well when is my you know sister coming which is something that's interesting because I don't recall and it's totally possible that I did I don't recall ever telling him a gender right being like yeah I was always like yeah you might have a brother or sister but intuitively I always felt like part of all of this work that I was doing was also led by my daughter wanting to come through and she was basically like challenging me and saying like okay if you really want me to be here in this you know in this lifetime like you gotta step it up sis like you know who I am and who I'm going to be in this life requires you to be another caliber of woman you know and I was just like okay like I want her to be here so I'm gonna do this work um And so, yeah, I just always found it very interesting that whenever my son talks about a sibling, he has never said, like, my brother. He's always said, my sister. (laughs) Like, when is my Mm -hmm. sister going to be here? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um, It's so it's so cool because I feel like in a few years you're going to have, you know, you're going to be like, oh, this was all meant to be in retrospect, you know, when other things might start to unfold. And it's just... Yeah. yeah, it's so beautiful. You're going to be very happy the decisions that you've made, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, I definitely am hopeful <laughs> that will be the case. Um, but so, so you've been single for since December? 
No. So in December was when, yeah, December was when I was really hopeful that I was pregnant. This was when I was still wanting to have another child with him. But it was also when I started to do more like intentional spirit baby work. And so I feel like that's how I went from in December, sad that I wasn't pregnant with him to February. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're not going to be together anymore. Cause it's like, that's fast to go from like, you're wait, you wanted to have a kid with him and now you want to divorce him. Like, but again, if I just say that part, then it feels fast. Right. But when you hear it in the context of the story that I just told you, which is like, this was coming for quite a while. And yeah, I it was think the last. It, yeah. And then I think in December, it was me still trying to be hopeful that it could happen. And me being stubborn almost in a way of like, well, I just want like being selfish, like, well, I just want another baby. And so I'm going to just make it happen with this person, even if everything's not the way that I would like it to be, even if I don't think that that baby could come through in the way that I want her to come through, you know, and then again, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I start talking to her and being like, yeah, make whatever happen, you know whatever you need to come through. And I'm thinking in my mind, like financially, cause that was a worry for him, you know, like, yeah, just make it to where he'll be comfortable financially. And then this will happen. And then all of a sudden it was like, I kind of just woke up one day and was like journaling and was like, Oh my God, wait, like, this is wow. Yeah. I'm done. Like, this is it. And, and the way that I went about that was that like, I would have a difficult time expressing myself to him verbally. And so I really wanted to be able to say everything about why I was making this decision to him thoughtfully. So I wrote him a letter. And that's something that was also a big part of our relationship was I would write him cards or little notes, you know, so it wasn't like this out of the blue thing you know it was something that he knew about me as well that I could express myself better in writing um and so I wrote him a letter and then I thought I was like I thought that the letter was done and then a few days later I ended up adding more to it and then I was like okay now it feels complete and I was going to give it to him and then I had to wait a week because the day I was going to go give it to him he was like yeah Cause he was basically in this training and so he would have tests and stuff. And he was like, yeah, we have a whole week of tests coming up. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. Well, you know, let me know what I could do to support you. Not going to like drop this bomb on you in the middle of a week full of testing. Right. So now I was like holding on to this letter and feeling all nervous about it and being like, Oh my God. And so anyway, after that week was done, I I gave him the letter and, you know, like I said, like his response was not what I would have hoped for, but it was also totally makes sense of what I know about him, you know? Um, And so, yeah, it's been, it's been challenging for sure to have like reality, not match what I like you envision the highest what you want for a situation, but that's only from your perspective. I'm only one person. I can't control what he does or what, how he responds, you know? Um, and I think that for him, anger has been 
is just like where he's comfortable and so that's yeah. where what he's chosen to to be is just angry and again even that like I don't it makes sense to me right like that it's more comfortable for him to be angry at me than it is for him to just be sad about the fact that this thing that we had been talking about eventually did happen um I'm curious if you guys have considered um like couples counseling or even after the fact after you break up just to have a third party because I found that very helpful with intense emotions like to have that mediator person have you guys done anything like that not intentionally (laughs) no yeah not intentionally but I did notice that when he got his lawyer for the divorce proceedings that that was actually really helpful yeah Um, because I think that in that case and of course this is all speculation on my part just off of what I experienced um but I noticed a shift after he had got after he hired his lawyer in how he was communicating with me and then inevitably how our you know court stuff went so yeah I definitely would echo that that it's it's helpful to have like a mediator um I would be open to that but again I think that he's very much in a place of still being very angry because like I've talked I've told him that there was things that I wanted to discuss you know, and he's said that he's open to discussing them and we have yet to discuss them. So, yeah, you know, so, so it's been about six months. Um, you're mentioning like the differences between how you thought it would be versus how it has been. So maybe you can speak to that. Yeah. Um, so who I was modeling what I wanted it to look like after was um Glennon Doyle I don't know if you're familiar with her I just got her book at the life isn't that untamed yes yeah I'm excited to read it but I haven't begun yet oh good I love it and it's one of those books that like I still have it I'm looking at it right now that sometimes (laughs) it's just so helpful to just like open to a random page and just read a little blurb I love that book so much so anyway yeah so the situation that basically her and her wife have with her ex, you know, obviously I'm not, I'm not lesbian. Like I'm not, there isn't even another person in this situation yet, but the fact that they are very much a cohesive family and like they recently in the last couple of years, I think moved from Florida to California. And actually that was a decision that they made between the three of them. Right. Which I was Mm -hmm. like, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Because then now the children have both of their parents and, you know, Abby. And so it's like, oh, this is so beautiful. This is what I want. Like, I want us to be making decisions as a family, even though we're not married anymore. You know, right. like what what's best for our child. Um, and I still think that that's for sure a possibility in the future. <laughs> Um, I'm still holding that as my highest vision for our situation. Right. Um, but as far as this, yeah, it's like this, it's actually been like eight months now, how this eight months has been, has definitely not been that it has been, um, a lot of waiting and a lot of just non-communication on his part. 
you know, like I have a desire to communicate about all of these things regarding my son, our son, and he has just not been willing, open, ready. I don't know, you know, what it is on his part. I can't say, but what I have received is just a lot of non-communication. So, and then also everything has, I feel like this has been my season of learning patience <laughs> uh, because I very much so when we met, I used to, and this is something that he used to say too. I was like a bull in a China shop. Like I don't fit here. Everything is going to fall if I just rush this way, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I think that was also another coping mechanism that I had developed for my trauma was like, oh, this is hard. I'm going to just rush ahead to the next thing, you know, and like, don't integrate, don't feel any feelings, just bullhead your way to the next thing. And so, and like rushing, that has always been like, I grew up in LA. <laughs> like That's just the culture, you know, we're always in a rush to be somewhere. So yeah, this season has really been about slowing down about letting go of my expectations on a timeline. Like, oh, I want us to start the divorce paperwork now. Okay, cool. Divorce paperwork doesn't start for another two, three months. You know, I wanted it to all be done and wrapped up in a beautiful little bow before we left Oklahoma, which was in August, early September. That did not happen. <laughs> and so every time that I hit like, find myself creating another expectation of like, this is when I want this to happen. I almost laugh at myself when I catch myself doing it because I'm like, okay, tack on like two, three more months to that. <laughs> and maybe it'll happen in two, three months, maybe, <laughs> because that's just how this, this eight months has gone. You know, it's, it's just been molasses, but it's so needed. I think for me, and especially before I moved back to LA to have that intentional slowing down and that getting comfortable with doing things at a slower pace has been really helpful for who I want to be and how I want to show up to like have that foundation set before I moved back to this town where everyone is in a rush all the time. And it's like, everyone's so busy. And so being able to like truly stay in that tempo of like there is no hurry here we can just let it flow it'll come when it's supposed to come you know um yeah mm -hmm. so that's you mentioned something earlier that you don't believe in compromise in relationship can you speak to that I'm I was curious yes. when you mentioned it. so and I'm trying to remember where I first heard this um so compromise to me means that neither person is getting what they really want, right? Because if you have to compromise, it's like, like, for example, the birth, that's an easy example. Yeah, what that's I, an easy, yeah. What I really wanted was to be birth at home. What he really wanted was for me to birth in the hospital because he was terrified of birth. And so then our compromise, neither of us got what we wanted, because I was at the birth center, but then I ended up where I didn't want to be. And inevitably that was not where he wanted that to happen because of the way that it happened. So neither of us got what we wanted. And when I think about a conscious relationship 
where, you know, both individuals are really wanting to find a solution to a conflict. I believe that they're most of the time, right? Because I don't ever think that there's absolutes for anything <laughs> either. Um, so I'll just say I don't believe in compromise 99% of the time. Um, that there is a way to find a win-win for both people when when it comes to something like that in a conflict, in a relationship. That if you are really creative and if you're open and if you have communication about your desires, that there is a way to find a, a situation or how to mold that situation so that both people can get what they want without compromising. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't help for both people to feel defeated. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, you also mentioned something about how other uh, moms treat you a little bit differently as a single mom. I'm curious about that. Do you feel like, are you seeking out friendships with other single moms or do you just, do you feel like it's more of like how other moms are treating you and you don't really have a preference or maybe you can speak to that experience? Yeah, I think it's just been on my part, like more of a noticing that of course, like a lot of the friends that I have right now I I started those friendships with these women when I was in a relationship, right? And so their baseline for like me and my family has been like me coupled and all of them are coupled. And so then there is this, there is this like, um, this understanding that like, if we want to get together for a tea or something, you know, like that prior to this, we would both just leave the child, leave the children with the fathers, right? And then we could go and meet for tea. And so now I've had this huge shift in my life, but their lives have continued the same. And so it's just more of like this, we're in this transitionary period where they're having to adjust and yeah, adjust that like baseline of like, oh yeah, we'll just leave the kids and let's go do this together, you know? Um, whereas that's not a reality for any, for me anymore. Like I don't have, you know, my partner at home to leave my kid with, to go meet up. Um, as far as seeking out other single mothers, uh, I have not yet. It's definitely something that I'm open to because I think it's always helpful to have women in your life, like whatever stage your child is at, it's always so helpful to have those friends whose child is at that same stage because you know it's like oh is your kid doing this oh your kid too okay cool (laughs) it's not just me you know like oh the specific kind of hard we can kind of commiserate about that specific kind of challenge of motherhood or whatever um and also this is something that I've just been aware of I guess from listening to your podcast and listening to not I think mostly just from your podcast honestly (laughs) because I love it so much, um, is this idea of, like, 
having our community, right? Like our support group and that, and the realization that that support group needs to include people of all stages of life, right? Like maidens, it needs to include mothers. It also needs to include elders. Like it needs to include mm -hmm. people that like have decided not to have children, but still, you know, whatever, like all of it is needed. And so I'm kind of in this place right now of recognizing that and kind of just opening myself up to the possibility and the desire for that to become a reality. So I definitely wouldn't say that I'm like seeking out only single mothers to have, you know, support from, but yeah, I've kind of opened myself to be like, okay, yeah. How can this look where I can have maidens, other mothers, coupled and uncoupled, you know, and elders as well to support me in this journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's an important distinction something that is a little more challenging to generate but yeah I think it's valuable <laughs> to not be in a bubble <laughs> yeah especially especially the one you mentioned about people who don't want kids because then I feel like do they like children <laughs> yeah so it, it's hard well, to, sometimes you know yeah. this is a realization that I that I came to listening to women talk on your podcast even your own experience of like some people have just never been around kids so I don't even know if they know what that's like, you know, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely something where, like I said, I'm just kind of open to, to all the possibilities. Um, yeah, that's good. And it's also just this realization, right. That like, that's why we need people that are outside of just mothers, other mothers is because most of my friends right now are all mothers to small children you know and, and so I'll stop and sometimes be like oh man I haven't heard from someone I haven't talked to this woman in a long time and it's like yeah because we're both we're both in the thick of it it's like you just every day yeah you know you're just like trying to get through the day it's like where do you find the time to be like yeah and like just what what the reality of living in Los Angeles is is that like my friends all live very spread out from each other right like I've yeah. I I I was initially in a place of like other women that are like similar to me just don't exist and then that reality was shattered and I did find other women that were had similar interests in me that were wanting to parent in the same way birth in the same way that kind of thing right and so then you find them but then they're like spread out <laughs> and so then it's like this understanding yeah that like it would be so helpful if we all lived close together and just accepting that we don't and how do you also just make that work you know so mm -hmm. yeah yeah I've had to expand a lot um because I know there are certain women in our circles that will like only make friends with other moms who like are interested in free birthing and alternative living and yeah, when I just kind of release that, I find that there's so many other kinds of women that I vibe with and really just like them as people. It's like I I I've just found my life to be a lot better when I release like, oh, they need to be you know, 
yeah <laughs> they need to be xyz or whatever then, yeah yeah exactly yeah it's funny I just, because i like so many different kinds of people and it's like it's it's really i don't know yeah it doesn't serve us to be so specific um yeah. all the time yeah i mean it's i definitely good to have think those friends too for sure i think it's just a perspective shift right where it's like instead of seeing all of the things that you don't connect on do you have some common ground with this person like finding that common ground and then just expanding your relationship from there and letting it be whatever it's going to be right because that was something that was a was like a reality check or whatever you can say for me moving from Los Angeles where like I said I found these women who are very aligned in the way that they were living with their lives I created this community and then I moved to the middle of nowhere Oklahoma (laughs) and so it was like I remember when I first got there I joined like a mom mom's group on Facebook for my town and this woman was talking about that she wanted um you know a remedy for something that she was going through physically that was safe for breastfeeding. And so I reached out to her and I was like, don't worry. I have this whole shelf of tinctures. Like I've got the perfect thing for you. If you'd like, I can bring it by. And she was like, what is a tincture? And basically had wanted nothing to do. With it. And I was like, Aww. Oh, right. Yeah, the, <laughs> like it's just... the mainstream Facebook mom groups. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I've had to unfollow. I created my own, um, you know, I use the term crunchy for my, for my town, but yeah. Yeah. Those mainstream ones are rough. There was a, um, I'm sure the women following this podcast would agree with me on this, but anyway, they were advertising a drag story time and I was not allowed to, you know, form any alternative opinion about that so I just just exited myself from the group because they were gonna exit me for even questioning that kind of thing um but yeah but But I mean well the point I was making initially was that moving to the middle of nowhere Oklahoma really kind of I want to force sounds like the wrong word but like I was almost yeah, I guess forced to like come to that realization that if I really am going to be so close-minded that I am only going to make friends with women who have like like all of these criteria in in common with me, I was basically going to be completely alone where I live, yeah. you know? So it's like I either find some common ground with these women here or I'm going to like you know, be basically, I'm going to go crazy because I'm, because I was home with my son for the first time in his life. Right. Like I was a nurse when he was born. I went back to work when he was six weeks, like all of these things that I just think are really, yeah. Was he in daycare? Did your partner, well, your partner never watched him for more than right yeah no, he was, yeah, he was in an in-home daycare. And then we found this really great, like, school but then all the the vid stuff happened and and yeah anyway but for the most part he yeah he had been under someone else's care most of the time while I was working and even Mm -hmm. after I did quit nursing he was still already in a school and so it was just kind of like yeah we just continue to do that but then when we went to Oklahoma 
then they still do capital punishment there. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then that, it was. That's legal. Okay. Yeah. That's like a, a waiver you can sign and they'll, they'll do that for you. And so I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to participate in that. I don't want my child even in that environment. So then that kind of almost again, forced me to like have him home with me, which was not necessarily a bad thing. However, you know, like, like, you know, like motherhood requires support. And so being in a town where I don't know anybody, like a complete culture shock from what I'm used to. And then also I'm going to try to stay home with my child full time all at the same time. <laughs> like that's just yeah. not a recipe Lovely. for mothering in the way that I would like to, you know? So yeah, it really was, it was lonely. And then I, like I said, I found common ground with these women out there. And luckily it was the common ground of like wanting to, to parent our children respectfully. And so it's like, if that's a common ground and you have mothers of small children and you're wanting to like spend time with them, with your kids together, it's like, that's, that's really all you need is like, we all agree that we're going to like treat our children like human beings and like that we don't agree with this capital punishment thing that they do here. Great. You know, mm -hmm. like the rest of it, it's like irre irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. So I want to hear about your son and like how you do you feel like that do you or how do you feel like this has affected him the splitting of you and your partner and I assume not really seeing him anymore um and then yeah what is he doing right now like what is your plan for work school like regulating him it's nice that you're in your family too um so I just want to hear about that yeah. So I think initially for him, that's, it kind of speaks to where our relationship was at, that when we were, when we first split, I was still living in the house, right? We had this huge house um, and the, the master bedroom was on one side of the house and the other two bedrooms were on the other side. So basically he just moved into the bedroom on the other side of the house initially. And I don't think my son even noticed a difference. Yeah. At, at first, right, which I found to be very telling of just what was what was the dynamic in our household that like we were still being civil to one another, like we weren't talking all the time. But generally, like I said, because I wasn't coming from this place of anger, like I was he was still mostly around me because my ex was working. And so, yeah, like my whole energy didn't really shift that much. Um, and then when I moved out, then he moved in with me into my apartment. Um, but we were still living in the same town. And so I think that was, I think he, honestly, he handled that part pretty well as well, you know, of just like, oh, you know, now mommy and daddy. And I, like, I have a policy of, I talk to him about everything, right? Like, especially, at the age that he's at, like, we're always prep prepping for transitions before they happen. So when I was getting the apartment, I was already talking to him about mommy and daddy are not together anymore. You know, like mommy's going to be getting, a another place to live. We're going to be selling the house. Like I was telling him all of these things that were going to happen before they happened. And 
for the most part, I feel like he tolerated all of that pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. I think any time that he was having a hard time was usually just reflecting to me the hard time I was having, you know, with accepting the fact that his dad was just not going to talk to me. And I was like, okay, this is not what I wanted, but this is what's happening, you know? Um, so yeah, so he lived with me in the apartment and he still saw his dad very often. Um, and then of course, at the age that he is, like when we would talk about the fact that we were going to move to California and that his dad was going to move to Kentucky, then in his little four-year-old mind, like Kentucky and California are right next to each other. So to him, it was like, nothing's going to change. It's going to be the same like it is that right now. I live with mommy and I see daddy, you know, like on the weekends or whatever. Um, and then when I, I remember one night I explained to him like, no, California is like really far from Oklahoma or far from Kentucky. Like you're going to have to go on a plane that he had like a really emotional breakdown about not wanting daddy to be so far, you know? Um, and I just mm-hmm. held space for that. You know, it was like, yeah, that really sucks. You know, it's a bummer. And I, and I think it was helpful, of course, to, like I said, just have done all of this work on myself and to be able to hold that space for him. Um, I do find that when we moved here, he's been much more clingy to me, which of course makes sense. The like not wanting to go with other people yet. We've been here for almost a month. Um, he's, but at the same time, like I did put him back into the forest school that he was in when we lived here last. So basically the timeline was we sold our house in Norwalk. We moved in with my mom as a family, right? That was when 2021, when I left or whatever. And then, um, before we moved to Oklahoma last year. And so anyway, while we were here, he was in this forest school and he loved it and I loved it because it was exactly what I wanted school wise um and they didn't ask for you know vax records or any of that stuff excuse me so for me it was really important to get him back into that school when we moved back because I felt like it would be very supportive of both of us for him to be around other kids outside playing in a familiar, like with familiar people, all the same teachers are there. Um, And then for me to get a little bit of a break after the like stress of moving. Um, And so, yeah, so that's, that's been how it's gone so far. And I think that he's, like I said, as long as I'm doing my work (laughs) of keeping myself regulated, he's great. You know, like he, he definitely says things like that he misses his dad. And I, of course, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, do you want to call him? Do you want to text him? Like, I am fully supportive of him being in contact with him as much as possible. Um, We have not yet talked about or worked out how visitation is going to go because I don't personally feel comfortable with him doing like a solo flight yet you know I think he's just still a little small for that 
Um, luckily, one of the friends that I made in Oklahoma, her husband also got stationed with my ex. So they're in the same town. So if need be, I could fly with him and then just stay with her while he's visiting with his dad and then come back. Um, but yeah, that all of that kind of stuff is still getting getting worked out as we speak. So mm -hmm. it's it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, I think I think for small children it is that, you know, their their world revolves around us and as long as we're regulated, they will be happy. Um at the time of this recording, I haven't yet released my episode with Nicole, but um, by the time people listen to this, they will have probably listened to her episode. And I think you're going to love it. Oh, um, I can't wait. <laughs> she has the four boys and she talks about, um, and she's also separated from her partner. And she talks about like how children are in the auric field of their mother until seven. And then she's, you know, I think her, her oldest son is like six. So she's looking at that point at seven where she feels like her boys will need some kind of male mentor or you know that they need something like that yeah and I'm sure there's a lot of good opportunities there for you like the forest school or maybe in your family you have like an an, an older male relative or something um, but I think that's yeah I think that's so interesting yeah. Yeah. Boys yeah, need, and, you know. And yeah. And what was really interesting for me was so part of like the court proceedings, right? Is that you, at least in Oklahoma, that you have to take like a co parenting class. And it's like, it's not oh, something cool. you do. Yeah. It's not like something that. that you do together with your partner. It's just like an online class. It's almost like traffic school, right? It's like something that you yeah. do online and you just pay for it. And I totally was approaching it that way. Initially, it was just like, oh, whatever. It's just this thing I have to do to like get the proceedings on with. But I actually found it super helpful. It was really, really helpful to just because it just talks about all of like the emotional aspects of a divorce and how like even if you were the person that chose to separate, you still go through all of the stages of grief. And that was not something that I had really recognized at that point yet about myself was I was like, oh my God, that's right. I have been angry that this is not going the way that I wanted it to go. I've been grieving the loss of my friend and his father. I have been, you know, just like all of the emotions. And so recognizing that that was just part of the you know, it's just part of this journey and then being able to like kind of look back at myself and be like, okay, yeah, like where am I, how am I showing up for myself in all of these feelings, you know, it's like, do I need more support, et cetera. Um, and then really being able to see that like anytime I was having a hard time also correlated with when, any anytime that I could say that he was having a hard time which to me is like, he's just reflecting what I'm feeling back to me, you know? Like, I don't think necessarily that he's really struggling with this. Okay. So, well, that's, a, that's good. That's great. It's, yeah. it seems like it would be easier to split while they're little, if there's gotta yeah. be a time. Um, because, 
yeah, I don't have memories before five necessarily. Yeah. Not that you don't, you know, have your somatic experiences in your body, but um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is that amazing, it's like kind of a double-edged sword. Like women have this freedom now to like create their lives and to leave their partners. Um, and, and we have these, these open pathways to support ourselves to do so, which is so beautiful because we have not been able to do that. And yeah, I even know how far back we'd have to go, um, to see a time where women had the freedom to not be at the, you know, the mercy of having to get married just to survive. Right. Like, yes. And just hope that, you know, your husband is, is kind to you. Right. Essentially. Um, the mercy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. But then, you know, there's, yeah, then there's the, this, the unique struggle that comes with that having to hold it all. Um, yeah. Mothering and working is so much the working aspect. So I have my, my business, right. And I, was attending births before I moved to Oklahoma and I'm not attending births now. And so, so yeah, so I was attending births before I left and that was actually really challenging because I think, you know, that's a whole other conversation about (laughs) supporting women in birth when you have your own small children at home. Right. No. Um, and so especially because of becoming a single mother now, it was like, it's just, I just don't have the desire to try to fit that into my life. Um, but yeah. I do really find joy and, um, which that sounds like a weird way to say that. I got a lot from my birth trauma debrief. And so initially when I started doing birth work, I didn't feel like I could hold women's stories. Um, and then I came kind of came to the realization that like, actually I'm a, a wonderful person to do that because I've had that experience myself. Right. So I can like relate on a different level. Um, and so that's really the bulk of what I'm doing for work now. And I say that as if like, I'm actually doing it right now, but I'm not, cause I'm in the process of like, revamping the website and then also just like getting settled here so that I can you know have a schedule to start doing this but that is that is my focus as far as work is concerned is to show up for women in this way of holding their stories that don't necessarily need to be about birth um, because I've done this for women about their postpartum like a woman who had a free birth but then her immediate postpartum was sabotaged um, you know, things like that, even if it's pregnancy, sexual assault, basically any, any story that women are wanting to like be held in and be witnessed in is what I'm doing as far as like my, my business goes. And then, um, I'm also a veteran and I have a disability rating. So I get a little bit of money from the VA. And then of course I'm living with my mom. So I'm living rent free here, but, definitely moving back to California was kind of a shock of like how expensive it is here. <laughs> like 
after living in Oklahoma, yeah, coming back to California and being like, oh my goodness, right, this money, like I could make it stretch pretty far over there. And here, the idea of like saving money is kind of laughable because even with the little bit of money that I do have without having any rent, like I still have a car, I still have to have insurance on my car. You know, there's all these things that just like add up, right? Like my son doesn't go to this school for free. So um, yeah, work has definitely been one of those things that it's like, I, I'm going to need to work in some form or fashion to be able to like support myself through this season of life. It may not always be that way, you know, but for right now, yeah, it's, it's a reality. And I'm just grateful that I have at least for the next year, the school that my son is at, because it was really great for him when he was two going on three. That's kind of like two to four is really the, the age of these children that are mostly um, in this school that he's at. Um, and now as the four going on five-year-old, he's like at the older age of that, that gap. And so mm -hmm. I think it will be good for him for this year, this, this year right now, but for next year, definitely going to have to find something where there's a little bit, uh, older kids because yeah, he needs a little bit more stimulation from children that are like his age or older. I feel, especially as a boy. Um, so, so yeah, so that it's, it's going to be good for now, but we're going to have to figure something else out for next year. Um, but I'm confident. Yeah, it is a shame. Fine. Yeah, it is a shame that they don't really seem to continue the forced outdoor school model much beyond five. Um, Austin was a great exception. I, I saw a couple of schools that went up to 12th grade, which is really cool. Wow. Um, I don't know what's in California there, but yeah, we'll, you'll send me all the links so the women can check out your offerings and get support. I think it's so important when you want to do a, a birth debrief and, and postpartum debrief to be held by a woman who really understands the uh, systemic issues. Because if you just talk to a regular therapist about this, you're going to probably just be gaslit about the entire experience and um, not really, it, you are just going to stay in your kind of a victim mode about the whole Thing in my in my uh, opinion yeah um so great to speak with a woman like you about it thank you who yeah, gets the it, issues I find that there's a lot of birth workers that um just don't have an interest in in doing this aspect of that work and so mm -hmm. I've had a lot of women that I know through birth work and being like a birth keeper that I've been like oh yeah you know, like I have someone that I'm going to refer to you because that's just something that they don't care to do. So mm -hmm. that's, that's nice. And also, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it just makes me feel like I'm definitely doing what I can be doing in this, in this season as far as work goes. So, um, what's your vision for, the upcoming couple of years for yourself do you do you hold like a vision of what you want to come to life for you and your son yeah I definitely hold the vision for like I said my business um 
taking off, you know, having the women that want are seeking this kind of support be able to find me easily. Um, finding another wonderful opportunity for my son to be held in his edu you know, school education. I'm definitely looking for like homeschool, but then there's a lot of different ways to do that, especially in this state. Um, and yeah, of course, I still hold the vision that I will find a partner that is, you know, the, the person that I meant to spend hopefully the rest of my life with and have more children with. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the vision that I'm holding is, you know, doing the work that I love, finding the right support for my son and myself and, and yeah, eventually finding my life partner. May it be so for you. Thank you. And then just to close, if you have any words of wisdom for um, a woman who feels maybe like stuck in her marriage and wants to exit, but feels overwhelmed or maybe like a mother who has already made that choice, just any, yeah, any words of wisdom that come to mind for, for those women? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned in my story, I was definitely something that I was considering and, you know, mulling over a lot for a long time. And I think that the biggest deciding factor for me, because I've had friends who were considering separating and then decided not to. And the difference that I see between that situation and mine was the willingness on the part of the partner you know, to like mm -hmm. truly hear what the issues were and actually like be in a place to be ready and willing to make whatever changes needed to happen for that relationship to move forward. And that is what I feel personally was missing for mine. Um, and so, yeah, my words of wisdom would just be to like be really clear in your communication with your partner about whatever you feel the issues are so that if you do make the decision to leave, you do it in a way that you're not going to second guess your decision, right? Because I have not second guessed my decision at all since I left, even with it not going the way that I thought that it would. I've never been like, oh, did I make a mistake? I've just been like, oh, well, <laughs> this isn't going the way that I hoped. Um, wow, and that's yeah, great just definitely yeah I think that's the most important thing is to really make sure that this decision is is the one that you want to make because I mean it is possible right there's always possibilities like it is possible to like make this decision and that that be the wake-up call that your partner needs um or that be like the catalyst to changing the relationship in a way where you don't end up doing that. But if it is what you have decided and what you know in your heart to be true, um, then just really call on your support and also be aware that people will very often, especially in a, in a decision like divorce, like for, for my family personally, it's been something that's not like, I was raised Catholic, so divorce is frowned upon, you know, 
so I, I got a lot of pushback from my mom about, is this really what you want to do? You know, like, is there a way to just stay married and just live your life separately? And I was like, I can't do that, you know? Um, but what I just saw in that is that people love you and they want to support you. And a lot of times people are not aware that they're projecting their own experience onto you. So that was something that I had to be really conscious of and work through of like recognizing people projecting their experience with divorce or parenting a child, you know, where the parents are not together onto me. And then just being able to like stay true to myself and decide how I wanted to show up in that situation. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard, but you know, it, if it's the decision that's right for you, then it's the decision that's right for you <laughs> and you should have the courage to make it. Um, cause like we mentioned, you know, I think in a few years I'll look back on this and be like, wow, look how everything just lined up and worked out the way that it was supposed to for whatever else to come to fruition. And I do believe that my, my daughter is like still guiding me and has a lot to do with where my life is going. So that gives mm -hmm. me hope. I love that. That's really helpful and clarifying. I think the things you mentioned there, I think that will be supportive to women who feel on the fence. Um, so just, yeah, thank you so much for sharing with such um, openness and honesty and, and just, yeah, so clearly detailing all the, the pieces. I think I think it's just so helpful. I don't know any mother in my life that hasn't considered this choice at one point, especially in the beginning. Um, so I think most women will feel resonant with, with you and like in your, in your path, whether we, whether they cho chose it or not. So yeah. And then hopefully support the single moms in our life more because they they need it so much yeah definitely mm -hmm. um and yeah and that's something that you know if if women are seeking support and trying to to figure out if that's the right decision for them you know I'm always open to to having that conversation um and yeah if they just have questions or anything about this process I'm happy to answer those great well thank you and I'll put all of the links for everyone to find you in the notes and thank you again for being with me yeah thank you so much Bethany it's been a pleasure Thank you for listening and being here. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to have you share it with a friend and review this podcast. It really helps to have more women find these conversations. You can check out all I offer, including herbal elixirs for wild mothers and women, my book on pelvic healing, and show notes for these episodes at bethanywild.com.
Wild sisters of the earth, we together now. Oh, wild sisters singing over the bones. Wild sisters of the earth, we together now. Oh, wild sisters singing over the She 